Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 90, The Allegory of the Tame and Wild Olive Trees. Welcome, welcome. I thought about how I could effectively teach through a podcast the allegory of the tame and wild olive trees because I really feel like it works better if you have a chalkboard or a whiteboard or some kind of visual aid. Remember, an allegory is a symbolic story that teaches spiritual truths. And when you read Jacob chapter 5, don't get discouraged if this story doesn't make sense at first. And I hope I can help you a little bit today with that, but use the resources that you've been given. Go to the Gospel Library and look at the Institute Manual for Jacob 5. Even the Seminary Manual will be helpful. Look at the resources in Come Follow Me and also look up conference talks that refer to Jacob chapter 5. There are so many resources available. I suggest, and what works really good for me, is to draw pictures and then write text next to what is happening so that you can keep clear of which tree you're talking about so that you can write out what the symbols are that you're picking up and the meanings that you're picking up. When I do this, this is the way that the Spirit is able to speak best to me when I'm studying Scripture. When I am going through it slowly and When I'm writing things out, it's as if my mind opens up and the Lord knows I'm seeking and the Spirit is able to teach me. It's just a suggestion. I know everyone doesn't like to do it, but don't be afraid to get studious with the scriptures. But my main point is just don't get discouraged. This is the longest chapter in the Book of Mormon, and it is all symbolic. And so I know that there is plenty of room for glassing over eyes. But I know that your efforts will be blessed each time you read the Book of Mormon and come upon this chapter. It will become clearer and clearer to you, I promise. So last week I told you that this is actually an allegory that was told by the prophet Zenos. We don't have Zenos in our Old Testament, but he was included in the brass plates and he was an important prophet, I believe, to the Nephites. He teaches about the scattering and gathering of Israel, something that the Nephites are intimately aware of because they are living it. And I'm sure that Zenos gave them a hope and a perspective that their enduring their circumstances isn't going to be wasted, but that it is according to God's plan. And boy, when we have the conviction that what we are experiencing and living through, when we have the conviction that It is according to God's plan. We can do anything as long as we can quiet that fear that we're not spinning out in confusion. So remember, trees aren't trees and roots aren't roots. And as we begin this story, keep in mind that there are different sections of the verses that are talking about different time periods. So each time that the Lord goes to visit his vineyard, we're now talking about a different time period. And we begin the first 14 verses cover the scattering of Israel before the coming of Jesus Christ. So this is the time period that Jacob and his people are living in right now. 
It's also good to keep in mind that they were not the only group that was scattered, that there are other groups that the Lord led away that we aren't aware of, but he is. And so they are very much a part of the scattering as well. So the allegory begins by telling us that the Lord of the vineyard comes upon his tame olive tree, which is likened unto the house of Israel. And he has nourished this tree and the tree has grown in the past, but now it has become old and decayed. The Lord, he loves this tree. He is willing to take his time to nourish the tree. He will labor diligently for the tree. In fact, he'll do everything that he can possibly do to restore this tree so that he can preserve the fruit unto himself. The Lord of the vineyard obviously represents our Lord, Jesus Christ. And in the hopes that the Lord might preserve a portion of the tree, in the hopes of helping this decayed tree bring forth even just young and tender branches, he's not even thinking about fruit right now, just young and tender branches, a labor-intensive process of pruning and digging and nourishing takes place. And you know what? It worked. Young and tender branches did begin to shoot up. Even if it was a little, there were some, and that was good. But unfortunately, the main top of the tree was dying. So the Lord instructed his servant to pluck off the dying branches that were at the top of the tree and burn them. He then instructed the servant to go and pluck off some branches from a wild olive tree and to graft or attach them to the dying tame tree. Got that? Lots of trees, I know, but hopefully this is making sense. And all of this was done in order to bring strength back to the roots of the olive tree. Now remember those tender and young branches that were beginning to grow. This had given the Lord hope. The Lord took it upon himself to pluck these young and tender branches and he hid them in various locations of his vineyard, grafting them into the into some existing trees. Now, these trees were planted in various conditions of soil. Some parts of the vineyard, not so hot. Some very much preferred. But you know what? It didn't matter to the Lord. It didn't matter the condition of the soil because it would be the Lord that would nourish them. And he had confidence in his ability to be able to do so. So wherever these tender and young branches were planted, he's got them. So next, the second visit of the Lord to his vineyard. Okay, this is going to represent the mortal ministry of Jesus Christ and his apostles. And so the Lord comes down into the vineyard and lo and behold, the trees are bearing fruit and the fruit is good. The roots are of the tame olive tree or the covenants of God were bringing strength to the tree once again. Interestingly, the wild branches that had been grafted in to the tree actually helped remove the moisture from the roots and this allowed the roots then to become strong. And even these wild branches or think of these branches as the Gentiles or anyone not belonging to the house of Israel. Because of them, The roots or the covenants of God were able to bring forth good fruit. 
So this grafting in process that these branches had experienced was their opportunity to be brought into the covenant of God. And their presence was allowing the covenants of God or the roots to be in full function, even bringing fruit, good fruit, from not only the wild branches, but from the entire tree. Isn't that cool? The world or the vineyard was experiencing hope. Something curious, though, was happening with the tender branches that the Lord had plucked off from the tame olive tree and had hid in various parts of the vineyard. The branches that had been planted in the poor spots of the vineyard, they were bringing forth good fruit. All of it. All of it was good. And in the second tree, which was planted in even worse conditions, all the fruit was good. And the third tree, the same. Everything was good. But the last tree that happened to be planted in the best spot told a different story. The Lord had nourished this tree as well for a long time, the scriptures say. But only part of the tree brought forth tame fruit. The other part of the tree brought forth wild fruit. So this last tree was tended to. The master wanted to pluck off all of the branches that brought forth wild fruit, and he wanted to cast them into the fire. But the servant suggested that they prune and dig and nourish just a little longer with the hope of bringing forth good fruit. And this is exactly what they did. But when the Lord visited his vineyard a third time, so in your mind, now like in this story or this section, to the great apostasy, So when they came again, the original tree, which had originally been called tame, now it brought forth all sorts of fruit, but all of it was corrupted. Because, you see, the roots had become overrun by the wild branches. What had once brought the roots strength was now overpowering them. And as the Lord went to the other trees in the vineyard, same thing. The fruit was all corrupted and of no use to the Lord. Pay a particular attention to the tree that had been planted, remember, in a good spot of ground. A ground that was choice unto the Lord above all other parts of the land of his vineyard. This tree had become overcome by the wild fruit. Remember, though... This is the one that the servant had asked for more time to nourish. This is the one that the Lord and the servant spent extra time pruning and digging and nourishing. The result, however, was that the wild fruit had spread into the section of the tree that had given good fruit before. So much so that the wild fruit had taken over the branches that had produced the good fruit, and these branches had withered and died. By the way, I could not find verification for this assumption, but this to me sounds an awful lot like the seed of Lehi and their experience. But do your own homework on that. Don't quote me. Do your own homework and decide for yourself. I just want to point out some interesting characteristics of this visit to the vineyard. They're characteristics of the Lord. It's really the despair of the Lord at seeing the state of his vineyard, searching his vineyard for any good fruit to bring unto him. The fruit, remember, represents good lives and works of men. 
the scriptures tell the story how he took time sorting through all the sorts of fruit that had grown as if to find some sort of good, but he found none of it to be good. And then he wondered, what could I have done more for my vineyard? Have I slackened my hand that I have not nourished it? Nay, I have nourished it. And finally he asked, who is it that has corrupted my vineyard? Tender questions, I believe, especially when you relate them coming from our Savior in regards to us sometimes. It feels heart-wrenching and humbling all at once to think that sometimes he looks upon us this way. It is obvious that the Lord loves his vineyard, but it is also obvious that the time of judgment or casting these branches into the fire is coming quickly. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness for the servant in the allegory that keeps asking the Lord for some more time. And thank goodness for the mercy of the Lord because he gives it. So after the great apostasy, we have our day, the latter days that cover verses 49 to 75, which refers to the gathering of Israel in the latter days. During this period of time, the Lord makes his desires known that the trees are to be strengthened so that good may overcome evil. I love that phrase, that the good may overcome the evil. It's empowering that at this time, that is the intent that the Lord is making. In this allegory, when you read it, sometimes it feels like that the good fruit appears to be at such a disadvantage to the wild fruit. And sometimes when you pay attention to the headlines of today, it does appear that evil can overcome good. It feels like a fact. But the Lord intends to strengthen the good so that the good can overcome the evil. And that's the period of time that you and I live in. And I'm grateful to be a part of it. The Lord also intends to bring forth the good fruit unto him so that he can have joy. Time is drawing near. And he will preserve the roots and branches of his first fruits. And there's that phrase again. Remember that phrase from last week? That we can be his first fruits through faith in Jesus Christ and obtaining a good hope of glory in him. So what this allegory is doing, it's reaffirming to us that the Lord has set his intention that he is going to preserve the good fruit. And hopefully we are working on ourselves to be amongst that kind of fruit. He then in verses 61 through 72, he lays out his plan on how he's going to turn around this vineyard. He's going to call upon his servants and they're going to be commanded to dig and prune and nourish. They're going to clear away the branches that bring forth bitter fruit. But there's going to be a careful balancing act in this process. The bad can't be cleared away all at once. Otherwise, the roots may get too strong and reject the grafting in of the natural branches into the mother tree. Chew on that for a little bit and let the Spirit testify to you what exactly that is symbolizing. So with care, the Lord will go about having the wild branches or the wickedness cleared away in balance with the growth of the good so that the root strength is equal to the top strength of the tree. 
and the wild branches will be cast out and burned, and this will be the last time that the Lord will nourish his vineyard. And it works. The natural fruit grows again. The branches are accepted. They grow and they even thrive. And the Lord will have his fruit that he desires brought unto him. I hope I didn't butcher the story. (laughs) Doing a single podcast on such a long chapter does cause me to summarize for sure. But I hope that as you're studying this allegory on your own, you have your own mental juices flowing, especially as you hear me retell it. And I hope that as I retold it, that you had some ahas pop into your mind. Write them down. Preserve them. This allegory is a powerful teaching tool of spiritual truths. Now, because the mission of Sister Scriptorians is to teach women to learn, liken, and then lift others one principle at a time, I want to do my best to personalize this allegory so that it can personally inspire you, so that you can bring it closer to your heart. And I don't desire to look beyond the mark than what Zenus intended. But please, for a moment, consider yourself to be the tree in the Lord's vineyard. The Lord loves you. And truthfully, you are fortunate to be a part of his vineyard. He is a patient, methodical, deliberate, and he is a merciful master. He will take the time, the time you need to develop a good life so that you can bring forth good fruit. And he is willing, he's totally willing to help you do this. He will prune and he will dig about and he will nourish you. And chances are (laughs) you won't like the pruning. It will feel scary to you. You will wonder what he's thinking. Just when you are beginning to grow and gain height, he will come in and cut away the unnecessary matter. But you might question him on that, worried that he's taking off more than he ought to. But it is times like these that you must remember his love for you. You must remember his characteristics, his supreme knowledge that he possesses, and that he is abundant in goodness, and therefore the only thing that he desires for you is for your good. Your salvation, your salvation is his primary desired outcome. So, you patiently endure the pruning moments. And once he's done, you may experience fear that life isn't as it should be, that he took too much away from you. Sometimes you might fear that you are now not a good enough tree. Your shape is changed and you fear that your worth has also been changed with it. But once this initial fear has quieted and subsided and you choose, you choose to exercise faith and trust in the Lord, you realize that you feel stronger. You do. You feel lighter. You actually are more focused now. You feel that strength being able to move within you, and it's going to all the right places in order to be able to do its good works, to bring about good fruit. Your fruit is beginning to blossom and to come to fruition. 
and you realize you are not the same tree that you were before. And this is good. This is so, so good. The digging that the Lord does is so much better than the pruning. The ground is cleared and you can now breathe. Digging causes the packed dirt to loosen up and air can now start circulating. You don't feel so stuck. And the minerals in the soil are preparing you to be able to be nourished. You now feel and know that you are equipped to receive revelation, light and knowledge, truth, and all of these are your nourishment. And nourishment is the best. It is. It's love. You feel the nourishment rise up within you and stretch to the tips of your branches. You stand tall, unmovable, and determined to only produce good fruit. And the nourishment you've received teaches you just how to do that. Your strength that you have within you feels like you can take on anything. Wind, storms, the oppressive heat, you can do all of it. Bring it on, especially when the Lord is near you, loving on you, clearing your ground of everything that threatens to cumber you. And sometimes, sometimes you don't even fear the next pruning. You appreciate the fruit that you are now growing You can see now how the Lord can use these gifts that you offer him. Your fruit can be used for light, to bring others unto the Lord. Your fruit can be used as medicine to help the brokenhearted and the wounded. Your fruit can even provide nourishment to those who are in need of it, but they don't know where to get it. The Lord has filled you With so much goodness, you have so much to offer. In fact, the special properties that fill your fruit come from your roots that the Lord has ensured remain strong and good in order for you to thrive. Speaking of your roots, they are crucial to your survival. They are what helps you to produce the fruit that will one day be brought into the Lord. The roots contain the promise of what you are to become with his help. It's his promise to you of eternal life. Depleted roots or forgotten covenants with God will only cause you to decay and wither, but strong roots allow you to do whatever you are intended to do, whatever you're intended to be. The Lord's covenants are your roots. They are strong and they are eternal. And they are the perfect conductors to provide all the nourishment that you need as long as they are given room to thrive, tended to, and not suffocated by unnecessary matter that blocks air from getting to them. Protect your roots. There is security in knowing that you can be planted anywhere in the Lord's vineyard. And he will provide you the necessary nourishment you need to thrive. It can be in the poor soil or in a choice spot. It doesn't matter. Because he knows where you are. And he will find you. And he will give you the nourishment you need. And with that nourishment, you thrive. And all his efforts have come to fruition within you. You are light. You are healing. You are now nourishment to others. In his vineyard. In fact, the Lord has used you 
and your example as he's transplanted parts of you throughout his vineyard to help provide his other trees with nourishment from you to give them a chance to also bring forth good fruit. You are so valuable. But life in the vineyard can get complicated for whatever reason. Fortunately for you, the Lord and his servants, they come back to check on their vineyard and they're not afraid to work within it. The effects of the other trees, however, are beginning to take its toll. There are times through people or circumstances that you graft into your life branches that might actually take away your nourishment. They may cause you to become distracted or to forget where you truly get your strength. Your roots are still good, but right now you enjoy the strength of your branches. So this is where you're placing your time and your attention. This is where you place your value in your branches, the varieties that you have now within you, your outside pursuits, your hopes of better things all reside in the glamour, the exterior of your branches. And over time, these wild branches that you adore are beginning to take over. They begin to block out or you forget about those tame branches. And the fruit that was once good no longer grows. In all the excitement and distractions of the world, you forgot what your purpose was. And your fruit that you're producing is showing it. It's become corrupted. And when the Lord comes again, he sorts through all your fruit because you've been busy. So you have a lot of it. But as he sorts through it, tasting of your fruit he finally concludes that none of it is good. On your behalf, he wonders, what could I have done more for you? Have I slackened my hand that I have not nourished you? You know that isn't true. And if you're lucky, you might even be able to still remember how much you enjoyed his nourishment. You felt free and strong and capable Somehow, though, you had gotten distracted from your Lord's love and had been focused on growing high and faster than you ought. You placed your strength in your branches, on their height, their size, their beauty, their ability. But you forgot that your strength resides in your roots. You were busy and you created a ton of fruit, all sorts of it, in fact, but none of it was good. None of it was useful or desirable to the Lord. And then you hear the Lord ask, Who is it that corrupted my vineyard? And it is then that you notice how stuck you feel. How out of breath you truly are. In fact, now that you stop and notice, you don't feel strong at all. You feel tired and weak and afraid. And you look down and you notice the ground beneath you needs clearing so you can breathe. And the ground needs digging so that you don't feel so stuck. And as you look up, you notice that once again you need pruning. You have gotten out of control and misshapen and you need the Lord's nourishment. And you, therefore, you repent. 
the Lord gives you hope that repentance can work for you as he makes clear his desire that it grieves him to lose you. His desire is to provide a way that good may overcome evil. And he makes it known to you that that will be his work to do. So the Lord, with your permission, he removes your wild branches and he restores your good branches once again. You are pruned and restored to the shape that best allows you to grow. And this is not a quick process. And as always, pruning causes you to feel vulnerable and it can be a little scary. Repentance can take time as the Lord weeds out your wild branches. He doesn't take them all at once. It is a process that he is wise to do. It's a balancing act. As your tame branches get stronger, he removes then more wild branches. And he does this carefully, allowing you time and space to gain your strength. He knows that your roots or his covenants They are strong. He is confident in that. But he knows that in order for you to be restored and to stay that way, your top, your branches need to be in balance with the roots. And as your testimony and confidence and humility begin to strengthen and your desire to obey the Lord moves deeper within you, your roots will become strong again. The digging and the Lord's nourishment provide this for you. You, once again, you remember your promises. The Lord now can work again in your life, and soon enough the wild is removed and you are beautiful. You were always of worth to the Lord, even when you were wild. It grieved him to even think of being rid of you. He loves you and he values you, but now, now what you produce can be used by him. Because it is good, he can bring your fruit unto him and use it for his own purposes. You are needful to him. You always have been. Sister Scriptorians, no matter what condition of soil the Lord has planted you in, he can nourish you. Allow him to prune you. And when you are scared or unsure, take your concerns to Him and seek His counsel. Allow your roots to grow in strength and make way for the Lord to pluck out the wild branches from you. Seek His nourishment so that you may grow strong. And if this episode has meant something to you, feel free to share it with a friend. Make today a great day.